Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 304. Going to jump into this episode pretty quickly. Still out here at Greyhawk for the National Championship. My guest on this episode is Pearson Cootie. He racked up numerous accolades during his amateur and collegiate career. Western Amateur Champion, member of the victorious 2021 U.S. Walker Cup team, had multiple Palmer Cup appearances, and last year, right around this time, he won the national championship for the Texas Longhorns, alongside his brother Parker, Cole Hammer, Mason Nome, and Travis Vick. Last year, Pearson finished in the top spot in the PGA Tour U rankings, which at the time, afforded him full status on the Corn Ferry Tour. So I thought it would be a good time to catch up with him a year later to talk about the first year of his professional career. So far, he's racked up two wins on the Corn Ferry Tour, one in Maine and one in Panama. We spoke about the realities of professional life, what he misses about college, and some valuable advice that I know everyone still in the amateur ranks will find valuable. As always, make sure that you are following on social media. Again, I'll be here at the national championship until the team championship is determined on Wednesday. Today, however, the individual winner will be crowned, which means a Masters and U.S. Open invite hangs in the balance. At the conclusion of today's play, eight teams will qualify for match play. So starting tonight, make sure you're watching all the action on Golf Channel in primetime. Let's jump into this episode. Pearson, welcome back to the back of the range. How are you? I'm just hanging out in Missouri, all good. Uh, just loving, loving pro life. I mean, I think the last time you were on the back of the range, if I remember right, back in 2020, you win the Western Amateur, and I hadn't traveled yet to tournaments. I mean, this was ages ago. And uh, you're leaving with the trophy, and you're in the back seat. Mom and Dad are driving, and that was the first episode uh, that you did here at the back of the range. Does that sound about right? I, I it's yeah, that's all. That's the last thing that I can remember. And it's funny you bring that up because now all the, everyone's so used to seeing at tournaments. But it used to be just like, hey, could you send me a text about how you played this week, or if you did have a good week, like, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk? So it, it's it's cool to see how you. Uh, you've turned this into such a big thing. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're a big thing too. I mean, let's, uh, but I appreciate that. We were now we'll talk about, we'll talk about where life has taken you in the past uh, few, uh, uh, the past where life has taken the last year. We'll, we'll do that in a little bit, but I need, I need to get an update on, on your parents. So your mom, Debbie, I mean, if they gave all American honors to golf mom, she would have ended her, you know, college golf career with, uh, with definitely a few awards. And, Obviously, your dad, Kyle, who played at uh, Texas back in the day, you know, both these are, I mean, honestly, I see a lot of golf parents. These are, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass because you're on my podcast, but yeah, you have the prototypical college golf parents. And, you know, I, I still laugh at this one photo I have of your mom at nationals last year, where literally just the horror and stress is on her face. And it's, it's kind of funny, but it all ended up well. Um, what's the status? Uh, y- your parents... Their college golf career ended last year as long as well as yours and Parker's. How are your parents doing now that they are pro golf uh, parents? I I think I think now being a pro golf parent is even harder than <laughs> than uh, than being a college parent coming down the stretch of Big Twelve or NCAA because uh, that's that's all fun. That's all. Everything is fun in college. It's. Uh, even for the parents, it might be stressful, but at the end of it, like it's still such a, it's still such a cool experience. Cause they're there with other parents. They didn't watch their kids, their sons do what they love. So it's, it's a much more, I guess, joyous experience with the, I've hit the pros of being a, uh, being a parent of professional golfers has way higher highs and way lower lows probably. Okay. who Who's handling but, it the best right now? Would you say? Uh, I mean, probably dad, cause he's done all this and, right. uh, my mom wants to come to so many tournaments and, and my dad wants to come, but they both want to keep their distance and 
let us figure it all out. And they, they've done a really good job, but, uh, you know, they're, they're like my girlfriend. They're really good at picking the events they come to. So, uh, some events, you know, you go international, go to the spring fields in the summer. They, they might not be there, but we go somewhere cool like Denver or something like that. They, they, they show up. So it's amazing uh, how that works, right? It's just, it's, you know, it's just, it's quite remarkable sometimes, but yeah, they're doing good. And, I guess just like everyone trying to figure it out. It's almost a year into now. Now, when they when people talk about you know when you see the the, the big guys on TV, you know, well, my team has been great and my team is supporting me. And I, <laughs> okay, so so what's the what does Pearson Cootie's team look like right now? Is 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 do you have a travel agency division? I'm, I'm guessing I know who's running that, right? So yeah, I guess my team is. Uh, this week it's just my caddy. Okay. Uh, so no, I do not have the luxurious massage therapist, physical trainer, <laughs> uh, swing coach, caddy, and uh, whoever else, new uh, chef. I guess would be the the sixth or seventh person. But uh, you know that's that we're we're trying to get there. And this week it's just me and my caddy trying <laughs> trying to get to that point of the whole team traveling. Well, you're in Kansas City, so there's probably a Massage Envy somewhere there, and they have chefs at Outback, so I think you'll be fine. I'm a huge Texas uh, Roadhouse fan, so oh my that God, might be of course, on the, Of course you are. I mean, it's, just, it, it's criminal how good their, uh, their roles are. So Do you some, do you tell them when you walk into a Texas Roadhouse that you're a Texas a national champion, Texas Longhorn? Do you get like a 5-10%? I mean, is there anything... Have you ever pulled I mean, pulled rank at a Texas Roadhouse? I haven't, but I, I might I might try tonight to show with my Texas ID and say, "Hey, uh, it's ten percent tonight." Do you have do you tra- do you travel with the championship ring? I mean, that might be the way to go. I don't. I don't. You know, I try to. I try to not show it off too much. It doesn't even fit on my hand, but it's. Uh, I guess. I guess it's. It's really pretty. <laughs> yeah, I know. When they give you these championship rings and they look like hubcaps, it's kind of hard to just casually wear it out in public. It's uh it's huge. It's so big, but uh I guess I guess that's the point for it to stand out. Well, you and I are talking on the day of the final round of this year's NCAA regionals, and this time last year. You guys were in Norman, Oklahoma, regional. You finished fourth. You advanced national championship. We know what happens from there. But the casual golf fan probably doesn't understand maybe how regionals works for, for college golf. You know, if you're a sports fan, you're thinking, oh, okay, it's the NCAA championship and all the teams are going to advance in the at-large bids. And, of course, a Texas and a Vanderbilt and a North Carolina, they're going to be in the championship. But that's not how it works at regionals. Um, I know this year you've done Monday qualifiers and you have to deal with corn free tour point reshuffles and cuts and all that stuff. But thinking back to a year ago, what are these guys going through today at regionals? Uh, regionals is it's at times, I guess it's your first taste of what professional golf is like because the coach fields always told us, uh, it's the first time you feel uh, finality. It was always his word of choice. And, wow. uh, it, 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 it couldn't be more true because you're this great team. You haven't finished outside the top five all year. You've won four or five times. Uh, all, all this stuff. But then you show up to this tournament and you know that if, if uh, what is it, 12 or 13 teams, so if eight teams – beat you which isn't the most or whatever the number is my math is so far off there but if you lose to five teams you're done it doesn't matter who those teams are it doesn't matter what it is like uh you're, you're just done and you, you know what i mean you don't get anything to show for as going to the week as the number four ranked team uh so into regionals is you don't really notice it until that last day when you that's when you check like how many shots are we ahead of sixth place? Yeah. And that, but it's honestly like the best preparation for the NCAA because the teams that get through that adversity, I remember like a couple of years ago, uh, my junior year, Oklahoma was, they made it by a shot or two and they all like birdied their last hole, which is a par five or something in New Mexico. 
I made that in as the four or five seed right at the last second. And that kind of little bit of adversity for teams, that great teams, is almost like a huge momentum boost just going to uh, NCAA. So regionals has served a lot of purposes, but uh, kind of that scary moment can also be a, uh, such a good, healthy kickstart for teams for NCAA start. Yeah, I, I did not go. I stopped by. There was a regional last year at PGA National right by my house, and I stopped by for, I think, like either the first day or a practice round day. I can't remember. And I just noticed that the, just the vibe at regionals is so different than the regular season. And nobody is really – nobody's calm. I mean, the parents aren't calm. The players – I mean, these players that see me all year long, hey, Ben, what's going on? Or where are you going next? And where are you staying? No, they don't give a damn about that. None of that. The coaches, nothing. And I was like, I am not going there next year. I was like, I want no part of regionals. Just because it's, everyone is just it's 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 terrible. Yeah, I mean everyone's everyone's on edge for for a college golfer. It's it's uh, it's your job that week, and your job you can uh, you can get fired that week. So yeah, there, there's no there's no games and practice rounds. There's not a whole lot going on. It's it's trying. You have one round to see the most at that golf course. So everyone's trying to do the most to get it to. Uh, have a good week last year so obviously texas wins the national championship but your obviously your year was really kind of your year was all over the place you and parker uh, suffered those arm injuries and in uh, uh you know in the early spring it takes you a long time to get back i guess really the first time that everyone um saw that texas was i guess on the right path was was in augusta where you win the individual title you guys win the team title and really the team's ready to go on a run um, you don't get it done at conference, which uh, really that was kind of your last opportunity to win conference. Really, this team had not won a conference or a national championship. Do you remember? <laughs> hey, man, listen, we're gonna we're gonna talk about good things too. Don't worry about it. Um, you. But the reason I'm bringing that up is, do you remember the mood heading into the? Na- we didn't talk after you guys won because they you guys literally won dogpiling 18th green. They put you on Golf Channel, then they throw you in a jet, and I'm like, all right, well. That was a fun year. See you guys. Um, what what was the vibe going into national championship, knowing that this was the last time that you and Parker and Cole were going to all be together to win a, a a a title? It was it was really stressful. It was uh, we had that kind of uh, I, I don't want to call it like miraculous, but we had an unbelievable run our freshman year, even though we were. A, a top seven, top eight team all year. Yeah, we were number one seed going to regional, so we were a top six team, uh, and we won our regional by thirty something shots at our home golf course, and we finished second and beat that dream team, Oklahoma State team. And it was just feeling that my freshman year was so crazy. And it's like this team's too good. Like we're, it's kind of one of those things. It's like there's no way we don't get it done. We're going to have three more cracks at this. We're all going to be together. We're all staying four years. Yeah. And sophomore year, boom, top five team COVID junior year. I get, I get terribly sick at NCLA's can't tee it up. And the team just fell flat a little bit and missed the 15 team cut. So they didn't even finish top half. And then all of a sudden it's senior year and we're showing up expecting to win, but with, with, Guys have had no NCAA experience, really, truly, other than Mason and Trap, other than Parker and Cole. But Mason and Travis had played that course at Greyhawk for the junior event when it was there, and Washington NCAA. So it was such a weird feeling because it felt like we had all this experience, but really wasn't sh- sure how it was going to pay off for us. And uh, it, it was just kind of a whirlwind week because once we got the ball rolling, it kind of felt like we could have been stopped. Well, that was a it was a crazy ending to that. Um, I still go back to, and I remember talking to Mason about it uh, when I had him on the podcast. I just and I tell people that whenever we talk about that uh, that championship run last year, I was like, I, I just thought one of the big keys was Mason Nome getting David Pooge off of the 18th green and over off over to 10 to just kind of suck the energy out of the 18th green before Travis got there. Mason. Uh, what he did in Civil and what he did last year for our team was 
incredible. He he showed up clutch many many times, and there uh, during early rounds in the match play, he he had some incredible matches. And he closed out uh, Oklahoma State by hitting like a five iron to like two feet, and and so Mason was playing great, and Pooj is a uh, is a good player, great player, and uh, especially when you're in college ranks and whatnot, and. Uh, Mason's a great player, but didn't quite have the accolades that Pooch had. And yeah. uh, Pooch being a hometown Arizona State guy and whatnot, like Mason fighting all the way down, being up that entire match and not letting kind of this wave of Arizona State fans uh, suck the life out of, like you said, Travis's match or suck the life out of anyone else's match. Mason did, uh, he did incredible work to, unfortunately, he technically didn't win it. Right. I, guess, I don't know if he technically lost it. I'm not sure how it finished out. To be honest, I, I think never, they I've never gone up. back and looked. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I, it just. I think it just ended. Or I, I. I'm really not sure what happened there. But I know. Uh, yeah, I know he was in the water at some point on the hole. I just couldn't tell you where or how that all technically ended. Or who's going to like par? I couldn't tell you any of those details. But you couldn't be more right that knowing that we had two chances took so much off of Travis uh, and. It's yeah, it played out. I think the roles were reversed. If Arizona State was leading and they all that stuff, and we had flipped the match late, and then we were all on eighteen, it, it just makes it a lot harder. So Mason kind of pulling some of that energy away was was really nice. It, it made us watching feel a lot more comfortable. But I don't think I don't think comfortable is at all the word to even describe those feelings. No, that was that was fun last year watching everyone huddled around phones and parents just not knowing what to do and and just you know <laughs> refreshing and um yeah, but that's that was I mean it's a long week, but that certainly made it uh, worthwhile because that was a lot of fun. Um, well, you uh, you you transition from college and and you head to the pro ranks. You finish. Number one in PGA Tour U, and with that, you get uh, a spot on the Corn Ferry Tour for the remainder of the summer. And you know, I, I, you know, for collegiate players, this is really the dream scenario. You, you know, many players can earn sponsors exemptions like you do, and but to actually have a Corn Ferry Tour card after graduation, that really provides stability. And but the thing is, it's not like you're given a fully exempt status where you can plan your schedule and you can pick out the tournaments you want to go to. Just to kind of reset it to give people kind of an idea of what your the beginning of your pro career looked like, what was your exact kind of status as you get started right after college? You're like, okay, I'm on Corn Ferry. What does that actually mean, though? Are you six events, eight events? Do you wait for reshuffles? What does it really look like when you first turn pro? So I guess PJ Tour U is modified from what uh, the first two years was. So what now the number one player gets the PJ Tour card or whatnot. But at the time that I graduated, number one, I go straight to the Corn Ferry. I get the eight remaining events of the regular season. So uh, my only guarantee in that system is those eight events, and then I have I am exempt in the final stage of qualifying school for the corn fairy so essentially if i go miss eight cuts and finish outside the top 40 in qualifying school that means i have no status uh once again so the uh luckily for me it didn't go that way and i finished in the top the real goal was to finish in the top 75 of the points list meaning that i had a uh, full card this year to not be subject to reshuffles and all that stuff but also uh, another change that's going to affect is that there's no Corn Ferry Finals, which is the three-event stretch of the tour guys and the Corn Ferry guys meeting to do a three-week event for 25 more PGA Tour cards. So, yeah, that, the goal for me coming out of school was to get into that top 75 with my eight starts and play Corn Ferry Finals. And some of it happened, some of it didn't, uh, but I ended up with full status for – the 2023 season and uh that that was still was the main goal going into turn i guess turning pro last summer yeah i mean it's it's worth noting because it's you know there's a lot of great things that pga tour u is providing players and, it, and i feel like it's just going to get better and better 
as the years move on, just because it looks like there's a real shift in, I mean, it's been like that for a while now, but I think you can kind of see that there's more of a youth movement right now in professional golf where you're seeing more 22-year-olds making noise right away as opposed to maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago where there's the thought process of, okay, they need to get their feet wet and it's going to take a while, but no, there's guys that are winning right out of the gate, just like you. I mean, you win you win in Maine. You're third, I think, Corn Ferry Tour event? Yes. Yeah, the win in Maine was my third uh, third event. So you get out on Corn Ferry, and you're you're getting to play against guys that you've just played in college. And, you know, like you, know, you got Mac Miser out there and Pac and Goodwin and your brother and, and, and Cole Hammer, and you got, you know, a lot of guys that you know. But you're also running into, like, 28-year-olds that have been doing this for a few years that are married and have kids. Do you remember when the moment hit you where nobody really cared anymore that you were All-American national champion Pearson Cootie? I don't I don't I don't have like an aha moment like that cuz it's one of those things that I don't I I I do believe I'm a great golfer but I've never I I don't ever let myself seep into those thoughts of oh wow look what i've accomplished oh it's, no no i didn't mean like that i just so, so yeah. no, no no i i i see what you're saying but like the the from the second that you step on the range my first event like uh you know no one cares you know no <laughs> one there there's not little they don't bat an eye at you like especially on the on the pga tour so it's uh and it, the, I think the hardest part, I mean, maybe other than uh, a few guys in the college game right now, like, but you go up and down the range, go to the putting green, go to the chipping green. Everyone can do what you can do, and there's the guys that can do what you can do better. And that's what's uh, that was probably my first aha. I remember watching Aaron Baddeley chip at my first event when he was on the Corn Ferry last season. And like looking at my caddy and being like, "That's incredible! I can't, I can't do that." And that was, but again, there's just there's a lot of moments like that, and I think it's a healthy experience, like accepting that you're gonna have some a little bit of, I guess, I don't want to say starstruck moments, but you're gonna have experiences where like, I'm a great player, but I know what I need to get better at, and I know what I need to uh, to be doing to be out here for the next 20 or plus years that's got to be crazy when you get when you kind of get stopped in your tracks over someone doing something that truly physically it's not a taxing thing chipping is not something this guy's not pumping at 350 it's not like no, you're like, oh, what... right you're like okay that guy has a skill set that is not very physically taxing and i don't have that right now the yeah the games between the the corn fairy and the pg tour are completely different i was talking to chad campbell this week and every time i've played a tournament season i've been top 15 at least top 12 top 10 in driving distance sitting right around 320 and and then i count on the corn face same thing i'm right around 320 driving distance and i'm gonna barely sneak in the top 30 like the game is completely different because it a lot of those things don't matter like if you hit it 10 yards further great this guy's gonna He's gonna carve an iron in there perfectly. All the all those little attributes of like great players, uh, I, I think, come through a little bit more in the pro ranks. And everyone making big deals about driving distance or how high a guy hits it, it's not always the pretty golfers that are playing great. Uh, I, I I wish if all the pretty golfers played great, we'd all. I guess Adam Scott would be Tiger Woods. Okay, so so wait a minute. I just want to understand what you're saying here. You're saying that there's a huge difference between Corn Ferry and PJ Tour. I yeah, sorry, that was a little bit of a ramble. It's in the game. It's just like everyone always points towards all these young guys and how far they hit it. But uh, for me, like this, I guess back to your original question of like the aha moment, like who cares and whatnot. It's it's just. No one does because everyone owns what they do so perfectly and so uniquely. Uh, you're top 10 in driving on PGA Tour when you're there, and then you hit at the same distance and you're top 30. Is it because the Corn Ferry Tour game is more about 
just bomb and gouge, or I'm sorry, the corn fairy tour game is more bomb and gouge and the guys are hitting driver more or my point to the driving distance differences and to what, whatever Chad Campbell and I were talking about is that the guys on tour, like you see the Matt Coochers of the world and whatnot that are have a 165 ball speed. They're so precise and so good at what they do. And the guys on the corn fair are great at what they do still to a very high level. Uh, but like those X factors of like that one better wedge shot, that one better thought process, all that stuff is what I think is, uh, is what makes like a little bit of a difference on the PGA tour makes a difference like from college to the corn fairy and the corn fairy to the PGA tour is, is what I'm getting at. So you get off to this really good start, you know, winning your third event in Maine, um, and then you pick up another win in this spring in Panama. So you have a collection of high finishes. You also have a collection of missed cuts. But so how how do you assess your first year as a pro as far as what you've done, like, on the golf course? Like, what stands out to you maybe looking back for, with a year to look at? Like, what do you see as the one area that maybe needs the most improvement? I mean, I would say overall, like, consistency is – uh, is what needs most improvement consistency just through the bag I've, I've putted i've putted really well a lot and that's what's kind of like carried me a little bit at times uh i think i think what will kind of level out my game and get me to where i feel a lot more comfortable about it is kind of uh my ball striking but i i've had some Unfortunate things happened the last that year. So I say unfortunate. Unfortunate for a professional athlete trying to like do the same things, go through the same routine, having a a you know a, a fractured arm fourteen or fifteen months ago, and then having hand surgery in the winter. Things haven't quite been as consistent as I would like, uh, just physically. So it's hard. I try not to dwell on the miscuts it's it kind of is what it is because each week right now I just it feels different it's felt different for a long time like my win in Panama was completely out of nowhere missed the first two cuts by a decent amount at that didn't really have any momentum going into Panama and I make the cut around T20 start the day around T20 and I shoot a few under end up in a playoff and win and it's just like I can't attribute anything other than like really nice putting and consistent short game to, uh, to the good weeks and the off weeks. My ball striking just kind of brought me down too much. So just getting, just getting my ball striking back to the place that makes me happy and feel comfortable. And I think I'll see a little bit more of those top end finishes more. Well, that makes sense. I mean, obviously getting healthy. That's the other thing. Like, you know, you're now you're, traveling and going to different places and for the last four years you've basically been able to i mean you know texas is taking care of your travel and you know where you're going and they're setting a schedule that also has to be another challenging thing about being a professional golfer i mean this is your job and it's your first year trying to figure out okay where am i going how am i going to get there where am i going to stay where's my caddy going to stay has that been also one of the biggest challenges of the year i'm very fortunate to have uh, a lot of help in those departments, but certainly like I'm not showing up to places that I know. I'm not showing up to golf courses that I know or hotels, restaurants, all those things. I'm, I'm showing up to do my job, but other than that, like everything, the only thing that I'm doing every week that's the same is playing golf. And so it is different. Like each, does this hotel have a gym? Does, uh, it's a, yeah, other than the golf, everything has been changing week to week because I'm not showing up to places that I'm familiar with at all. So it, it's been nice, I guess you call it my, my support system, my team. <laughs> my team <laughs> has, uh, has helped me uh, get through some of these things because they're helping me with hotels and flights and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just trying to, get, trying to get to a spot where uh, – and I guess that starts for me in June where I've seen these golf courses and whatnot. And I think that also, I, Kevin, you last year was talking about that. Uh, he was having a decent season, but he's like, I think once I really get to these golf courses that I played 
his first year out of college in the summer of on the corn ferry. And sure enough, he, he gets the summer and just tears it up and finishes top 15 on the points list out here. So it's it, it, people are, make a big deal out of it about the pro lifestyle, but it's, it, they're not wrong. You're going week to week places you don't know, especially your first, first year out. Is it now? I I know that I know that the end goal is to be a full time member of the PGA Tour and rack up some wins and contend in majors and get yourself back on the the podcast as much as possible. I mean, I know those are your goals, um, but is it? And I know this might be out of left field, but is it almost better that your first year as a pro is on the Corn Ferry Tour, where you have the ability to maybe learn how to travel, navigate the responsibilities, and maybe not have as much of the the spotlight of the PGA Tour on you right out of the gate? It's that's what both my coaches have uh have have certainly said that to me a lot. Okay. And uh because they they go they go a lot of the I mean Josh Gregory goes week to week on the on the tour. Uh and then Troy Dan, my swing coach, has gone to every tour event several times and goes a lot throughout the season, so they, they. I like to believe that they know better than me. Uh, I, I trust them a lot, and that's one thing that they keep telling me is that like, this this is a blessing that I get to experience somewhere. Even though I've played, gone back and forth quite a bit early this season, that I am learning how to play week to week. I'm learning how to play within a season and. All, all those little things that are different from college, like I'm getting a full taste of before hopefully doing on the PG tour next year. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I see guys uh, in the college ranks and the amateur ranks that get these sponsor exemptions to, to play a PJ tour event. A lot of it's after winning a collegiate event. Like, you know, you win the Valspar collegiate, you get the Valspar and, and just like you guys, uh, when you wanted, when you wanted Augusta, um, right. you know, I see things like that, but I also see so many times that these college kids are missing cuts at these PGA tour events, because I just, I would have to imagine that the pressure, uh, and the expectations are just, you know, they're just, uh, maybe that's, they're not realistic instead of just enjoying it. They're kind of thinking, okay, what does this mean if I do this, this, and this, as opposed to, Hey, I'm in college. I got a, you know, a chance to play a PGA tour event. Let's just enjoy it. But that's easier said than done. It's it's easier said than done because I remember my first start at the Byron Nelson as in my junior year of college, uh, and what you said it could not be further from the truth. Of like, yes, you should show up there, tell yourself, I am an amateur. I'm gonna have a fun week, no matter how this goes. Blah blah, all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's yeah. What you should be telling yourself. That's what I look back and like. I truly do. I truly do look back on it like positively on my memory at the Byron Nelson, even though I didn't play the way I wanted to. But to start the week, you get there. I I call it Sunday night or Monday morning. Doesn't make a difference because you show up there, you register, they hand you the keys to this Cadillac with five miles on it. Yeah, you gotta you do all this stuff. You play the Monday program. Uh, then you gotta decide: Do I play eighteen Tuesday? Do I play nine Tuesday? Cause I can't play on Wednesday and there's just all these nuances that I never knew about when I showed up for my first time. So, but that's, it's all, it's all positive stuff. Cause it's, it is a learning experience of for most guys that do get to play in a tour event as an amateur of what they want to be doing as a pro, all the Monday programs, all the, uh, all the obligations. It just, as a sponsor invite, it is a part of it. And until you're a full member, uh, and even members of the tour that are not like a champion or have certain status, they still have to do hospitality after rounds and stuff. There's there's some behind the scenes work of uh always going on until you're a very established PGA Tour player for all kinds of different obligations. It's not just about what you do on the golf course, is it? I mean, this is you're <laughs> you're entering a, a workforce where you got to learn as you go, and I'm guessing that has to be one of the most challenging things of the job. You can't just set your own schedule. You can't just show up and play when you want to. You're entering a new workforce where you're just trying to find your own way. You are now a 
representing whether you're in college and you're representing Texas and uh, you know your manufacturer tailorman and using their clubs. You represent all of them, so what you do matters. And then also you're playing a PGA Tour event, so whatever the PGA Tour asks you to do, it's their right to ask you because you're representing them as well in their tournaments. So it's, but I keep trying to stay as positive as possible because like it all is good stuff. It's all good stuff to learn. It's all good stuff to do because you're going to have to do it early in your career. Uh, and it's just, it's part of the process. Are you having fun with the pro-am still? The pro-ams are, they're, they're great. Like I, an advocate or second event, I, uh, I had a great group and the guy had a, a beach house and we had a great time. And I went over to his house, had dinner with him and his uh, buddies. And next, you know, I'm staying in a, at a beach house in Abaco instead of Boom, the, resort, the, re, the resort 40 minutes away that you got to shuttle to. So, uh, the programs are great because it, um, I mean, it's the closest hopefully that I'll ever get to <laughs> the business side of things. And, uh, you learn a lot, but it's nine holes. Uh, the Monday ones are 18. So you know what you're getting in for, but all you can do is have fun with who you're playing with. Cause uh, and just tell yourself, you know, they get to they get to play with a professional golfer, and all they want to do is watch you and almost admire what you're doing. So it's yeah. uh, I haven't had any bad pro prior experiences. Knock on what everyone's been. It's been it's been great. I haven't <laughs> haven't had any negative experiences yet. I want to wait and see when you get paired up with a Texas guy because that guy will just that guy won't leave you alone. Basically, I mean, you know, there you know that's going to happen at some point. I think the, the program guys also certainly want to ask more questions than they do most of the time. They So it's, it is important to engage them and make them feel comfortable because they do have valuable questions. And yeah. You never, you never know who you're going to be paired with or whatnot. And I'm sure I've had, I've been with some people, some business people that I've had questions for just to understand what they do, what I guess you call it real work is like sometimes. And it's been good for me. No, that you're that's a great way to look at the proams because you're 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 right. You'd never know who you're going to meet, and um, yeah, I mean, gosh, just just getting a beach house in, at at Abaco that's that's pretty small comparison to what could possibly happen down the road talking to a guy in a proam. I mean, not to discount that, but you never know what could could come out of a proam uh, meeting. All your buddies would would die to meet this CEO or this oh, marketing yeah. executive of this company and you're playing golf with them and he's asking you questions. So just, it, it's, it's, it's fun. It, it, it's a, uh, it's just part of professional game and it's a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Um, there are, I'm going to let you go, but I want to ask you, so there are some underclassmen this year that are doing some pretty special things in college golf. Um, you know, Gordon Sargent got the special exemption to the Masters. Uh, you know, Caleb Surratt at, at Tennessee, he won the Elite Amateur uh, Cup. And I mean, gosh, I think Ben James won three or four times for Virginia this year. There's a lot of talent in the in the in the college game right now, a lot of talented underclassmen. And I'm, again, not speaking for them or referring to any one of them specifically in any way, but I'm sure that there are underclassmen that are considering turning pro early. And with the way PGA Tour U is and the accelerated program, um, my feeling, I guess, is that, well, I'm an old guy. So I'm like, dude, stay in school. Why would you rush out? you know, keep enjoying all the perks of being a college golf athlete. But from someone like yourself that went all four years could, and obviously your fourth year gets you a national championship. So there's that, but can you maybe speak to just what you kind of learned between your junior year and senior year and maybe how it benefited you to be in college all four years to prepare you to be a successful pro? The turning pro debate and all that stuff is it's really interesting and i i don't i don't think anyone has a perfect formula to it but uh the one piece of advice that that like always weighed into my decision that my dad always told me is it didn't matter how good you were at 15 doesn't matter how good you are at 18 doesn't really truly matter how good you are about 20 it matters how good you are at 22, 24, 
and until you're about 35, 40, because that's when, that's the peak of your career. And yes, obviously there's the Dorsky's, Tom Kim's 20, 21 right now. And um, those guys are great players. They they made the decision to turn pro all also, uh, early, but it's not, it's not a perfect science. And for me, my game, I, my freshman, sophomore year, I was, somewhat highly ranked but i wasn't i wasn't i certainly wasn't you know the the top two or three amateur in the world until my summer going into junior year and uh i I never thought about turning pro early i i was i was fully indulged in my experience in texas Uh, i knew that my goal was to be the best player i what i could we had pga tour u introduced and at the time the number one player didn't get to go to uh straight to the PGA tour, but I I knew having a guaranteed spot in the corn fairy was a tremendous start to my career. Yeah. Uh I was only twenty two and that I'm twenty three now. Like I don't I wouldn't do it any differently because I I feel like I'm gonna end up where I belong. In a very courting fashion to turn pro. It's not it's just not as glamorous as everyone makes it out to be. I mean Matthew Wolf made it look so easy. Morikawa looks so easy but um, there's a lot of guys out here that were the number one ranked amateur, did turn pro, did incredible things they called several first team all Americans and all that stuff. And they're in their late twenties, thirties, and they're on the corn fairy right now. So it, it's kind of up to you about where do you see yourself? How it's not a question of how much do you believe in yourself? Cause every single person has an unwavering confidence. It's, it's about do you have, I guess, the right people around you that are guiding you the right way. Uh, it's it's such a hot topic, but if you're if you're good enough, you're going to end up where you, you need to be. And uh, what college gave me that experience and that time that I I needed to to end up where I hope to be, I guess. I mean, that seems to be the right blueprint. I I always shake my head. I'm like, why would you? I mean. You know, you know. I mean, I'm guessing the 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 PJ lifestyle that you had at Texas has not continued onto the Corn Ferry Tour. It certainly hasn't, <laughs> and going to big university is nice. Yeah, but um, I mean, all all I now that I am a pro, and when I was in college, I guess Scotty, Scotty, it would, his first year in the Corn Ferry would have been my freshman year or sophomore year of college. I I can't remember the exact timeline. He's four years older, but it was like he became the model very quickly for me because I knew that I wanted this. I was going to spend four years in college. I was going to graduate on time. And if this guy can do go to the corn fairy, have a great season player of the year, go to the PGA tour. He can, he can just check these boxes. Then why can't I? And so that's kind of what I've been. My mindset has been for several years now. And, uh, he continues just to impress, obviously, because he's doing the right things, saying the right things, and he's a tremendous player. So I I wish I had a, a perfect answer for anyone that's, I guess, trying to make that decision, but it's a, it's a personal decision, and um, pro golf isn't going anywhere. College is, is only four years, and that that's your, by the way by the way that's your perfect answer right there just so you know you just hit it nail on the head either well we could take two of them either do what Scotty Scheffler's doing and you'll turn out okay or pro, yeah. pro golf's not going anywhere college is only four years I mean I think you hit it you're perfect college doesn't it doesn't last forever and those those especially if a great group of guys around you it's 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 incredible like yeah. it's. So well, I mean, you you ended your college career perfectly too. I mean, gosh, I mean, it's what's hard for me. It's I, it's hard because I walk away on such a high note. I can't. Yeah, you can't. Oh yeah, no, you had you guys had the perfect storybook ending to your college career, especially with so many hope, high profile guys on that team that you knew they were immediately going to the pro ranks, and this was, you know, literally like I I, I remember that great. I remember their Greyhawk. I was just like. I can't remember if I said it to you or maybe I said it to Cole or I said it to someone. I was like, this is the last day of your amateur career. I think I think I said it to you or, or Cole. I can't remember, but I'm like, so you're, this is your last day of being an amateur. It's, 
<laughs> and still, uh, everyone asks me, they're like, oh, do you, like, like all the, whenever I go back to whatever, I've gone back to Austin a few times and football games and whatnot, and they're like, do you, do you feel, not that you feel old, but like, is it weird being out of college? I'm like, I still feel like I haven't gone to college in my head. I still feel like I'm 16, 18, and like, all this is so fresh and so new and so fun. And, uh, it just, it's crazy that like that four years, is like actually over. Cause I, at times I go back to school and I take out my ping pong paddle and I beg those guys to play me. And are and you going to, are you going to be the old guy that comes back to UT sneaking beer to the freshman? Is that really going to be you Pearson Cootie? Uh, for legal reasons, I, I will never, I will never, <laughs> But uh, I will handedly beat them in ping pong. That's and they, and they know that I I play I played three times this year and it was just to show them what what true ping pong was. I, I've been talking to you for an hour and I finally got you excited about something. I can't believe it. All right, who 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 is who is easy lunch money on the ping pong table for you? Who who's just who's who's your ATM? Oh gosh, I mean, right now or when I was on the team. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about right now. I mean, who, who's who's? Oh, I mean, I mean, Moss is Moss is the best ping pong player on the current team, but he can't even he can't even come close to beating me. I mean, I would have to give him six or seven points. Okay. Uh, I mean, Park and I would go back and forth, but like other than that, like no one could beat us. That's I mean, they, they might they might sneak one out of ten, but like. Yeah, I mean, ping pong was kind of just like it, it. We didn't play our first few years, and then our junior and senior year after COVID, it became this thing where before we practiced, we we played doubles. It was always Travis and I versus um, Parker and uh, Will Thompson. That was like the best matchup. And Will Thompson was not that good of a ping pong player, but Parker has just this crazy forehand and backhand. Like he can spike. Spike the ball so well, and I play crazy defense because growing up, I'm so used to him just slamming it so hard. Right. My defense is like incredible, and his offense is incredible. And so then Travis slams well, and so we had these just perfect formulas and combos and serves and everything. So like ping pong was like our thing the last few years of college. That like that those experiences are what are like. I remember some of those those nights of staying two hours in the dark after practice playing ping pong, and that. So I was I, I was going to ask you what do you miss most about college golf, and I think I just figured it out real quick. Uh, uh, on on the head, those just late nights of like seven or eight guys like rotating in and out playing ping pong is just it's top notch. So I'm thinking to myself, like in a couple years down the line, you're a PGA Tour member. You're able to set your own schedule. I wouldn't put it past you to make sure that you put some sort of a Texas PGA Tour stop on your calendar just so you can swing by Austin and beat the crap out of the guys on the team in ping pong. So, so disappointing to not have the Dome Ashley because I wanted nothing more than to go out there during the Dome match play and – Obviously, I have to qualify and become a top 50 player in the world. Right. But uh, other than that, I wanted to go out there and, like, whatever, and just hang out with the guys that week and stuff like that. Because that's – I mean, that stuff's so cool. Like, you go to that tournament to see Scotty, to see Jordan, uh, right. Fratelli you played it. Like, you went out there to watch those guys. Like, you wanted to – so, I, I don't know. That, that was a dream. That was a bucket list thing. But uh, we have a fundraiser every year that all the guys come back to. And uh, so that's kind of my, I guess that's my going back for that. The PJ to remember would be, would be top notch for me. And, and beating them at ping pong. Yeah. I, no, we got it. I got, I got a Pearson. Okay. Ping pong. Got yeah. it. Okay. We finally. <laughs> but allegedly I've never played Scotty, but allegedly Scotty is like, he's, he is truly the unbeatable ping pong player. Unbelievable! I I can't believe it. This guy's won two, two times on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's he's in, inches away from the PGA Tour. But really, what gets him going is is uh, is ping pong. We we figured. Oh, you got you got me standing up, like walking around, like 
Emotions flowing. I, I mean, I don't know. If, do, well, you better. Uh, where are you staying? Is it is it a Motel Six or a Hampton Inn? Do they have a table there uh, or no? I don't. Know. I gotta. I gotta Google the, the closest rec center. And oh my gosh, Pearson Cootie's seen like going to a YMCA, making nine year olds <laughs> cry at a ping pong table. Um, oh god. Well, apparently Matt Kucher still travels with his paddle every week, and oh so I, I don't think I'm the biggest diehard there is. No, I know he's he's big into that. Um, What's uh what all right though well, since I got you since we're going off script here let's uh I got to ask you one other thing um okay you're, 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 I know where to go that's I know what are you, you're you're in a motel six there's there's no vending machine or ping pong table it's fine um there's this guy I know you're familiar with his name's Cole Hammer and I'm looking on social media and you know where I'm going with this he's got yeah. two, he's got two putters in the bag do you want to talk to me about this because I'm I mean. You're much safer to talk about this than I am. Um, what's happening right now? Is this on or off? Oh no, we're still on the record. You're not getting off the record with this. I mean, I, I want you, or, or do we need to go off the record? No, no, I was just, just. Oh no, just we, we we haven't. We have not officially ended the episode. So what you're about to say about your buddy Cole Hammer using two putters in the bag is going to be listened to by people that listen to the back of the range. That's fine. I mean, yeah, Cole has two putters. I does fractions with him. He has the short one that he uses ninety, like he said, ninety nine percent of the time. He uses like he did in college some. Uh, I forget what he, just a long putter uh, to to make the short ones. It's you know, it's kind of one of those things. That it sucks. It's something that he's fought through, but all power to him. Uh, to be able to do that, and I guess the Corn Face publicized it two weeks, two tournaments in a row, which is interesting. But uh, all power to him being, I mean, an incredible sport about, I mean, just just answering their questions. Uh, it's not something that you like to own up to because no one can question what's in your bag or why yeah. you're doing it. But uh, he's clearly had some success as a as a professional golfer, so. Uh, I it's it just is what it is. Like it's no different than someone playing a draw driver versus uh, a, I mean, there's a lot of guys that play a fade driver and a draw driver, and sometimes they put it in a a strong through and all this stuff. Like it's no different. You're just you're just tinkering with your bag and uh, giving yourself the best opportunity to have a great week. So, and that's all he's doing. Uh, Pearson, it is great to finally uh, connect again after, uh, gosh, I feel like we're both getting like to be old guys, but you are not an old guy. Oh, I'm an old guy. Gosh. Um, enjoy uh, enjoy Kansas City. Go get some barbecue, and then good luck this week. And uh, we'll do it again soon, and uh, appreciate all your insight, and uh, welcome back to the back of the range, sir. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Pearson Cootie for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Everything you need to know about the Back of the Range can be found at the website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.